You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, thank you so much for having me. Gosh, Chris and Terry, isn't this a great church? Aren't you guys so happy to be a part of a church that is such a blessing? I could, just with our last week, you guys bringing up the pillars and I've never been in a community or had the honor of being in a community where I have so much agreement. When you guys speak, I'm going, yes, yes, yes. So thank you so much for holding that culture up, for having the language and providing a place for people like us to to come. So thank you so much. I'm Dallas Anthony. Like they said, I have a beautiful wife, Amy. Yes, anybody met Amy? Yes, she's right there in the back. She would be up close, but our our little guy is sitting in her lap this morning. He might try to run up and get me or something. So I'm a dad. I have many boys that have been running around here. I'm sure some of you guys have met them. And and with that comes uh, um, life and dad jokes, you know? Yeah. Anybody into those? Like, sometimes I'll wake up in the morning, and I will literally have a dad joke come to me. It's like an inspired moment, and I just wanted to test some of them out and see if they're good. So, humor me. (laughs) So, my kids were eating crackers the other day, and uh, I was like, hey, boys, why'd your crackers call the police? Because they were assaulted. Okay. Okay, yeah, I know, I know, I know, yeah, yeah, it's not that funny, but it, <laughs> it's something. <laughs> um, they, uh, I'll do a church one, you know, why do we say amen and not a woman after we sing songs? Because they're hymns, not hers. <laughs> You were meant to be a dad. I just, <laughs> it's going to happen. Okay. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're big about our, our family and our, our children. And uh, it's an honor uh, to be up here and to be able to share. And uh, especially with a community that we have so much respect for. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, and I'm going to speak into some of the culture that's already here this morning. If you've been here, then you know that one of the regular things that is said is seen, heard, and known. And uh, my message is called Out of Hiding. Um, when I've spoken uh, in the past, uh, I've sat and heard the ministry of the word before, and What inspired me and what spoke to me was I've sat back there and heard somebody preaching the word and I have had something land on me where it was mine and I knew that God was delivering that word to me and it meant the world to me and it still has. I can remember the times where I've sat back and heard the word ministered and it was nailing and just hitting my heart and it was uh, gave me direction. It was a a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. And that's my passion. Um, I've told the Lord that I'm like, if you allow me to speak, Lord, let that happen, even if it's for one person. 
And what's funny is God has affirmed that to me over and over every time that when I have, he's given me something that it's at least landed with one. <laughs> I'm okay with that, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's my prayer this morning. Um, I believe that God gave me something because there's a world of stuff that could be spoken of out of the scripture. You know, I could open up the Bible and put my finger on something and be like, that's worthy to preach. Um, but this morning, I felt like I got something that I believe will be alive and active for somebody. So if you have that sense, then let your heart lean into it and receive it for yourself. Amen? So we're going to pray before we begin. Um, let's just join. Father, we just come together. Lord, we know your word says wherever Two or three, Lord, you are in our midst, Lord, with as this community worship you this morning, truly you are inhabiting the praise of your people. We know that you're here, God. We ask that your spirit would manifest himself, Lord, in our hearts. Let your word be alive and active. Let it be sharper than a two-edged sword, Lord. Let it be a seed planted in the soil of our hearts, Lord. Let it be water that washes us, Lord. Let it be everything that you are, Lord. Come and be yourself in our midst, Lord. Liberate my tongue to speak your word freely, God, and let your people be edified. We present this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, this message is called Come Out of Hiding. I want to tell a little bit about myself before I jump in. Um, I was born again, my encounter with God, Super Bowl Sunday night, 16 years ago. Um, I used to uh, be in the music industry and had, I'd show pictures, you guys would be weirded out. It was like almost hair metal. Um, long hair and played drums and got to tour and do all the stuff. But in that, that was my childhood dream. And I engaged with everything that came along with that. Um, so everything that that world had to offer, I wanted it. You know, I was like, that's what I want. That's where I'm going. And I indulged, you know, I spared no expense. Um, and around this time, which will be in February, 16 years ago, my band was uh, recording and we were in a studio. Now, up to that point, I probably couldn't count the times of sobriety in my life. That's how uh, engulfed I was with uh, all the things that I was doing. I was very reckless, very given. You'll know, even as I communicate, I'm a passionate person. So <laughs> I don't really do things halfway, so I have to temper that. I'll be like, whoa, okay, bring it down. Um, well, I was very intense in that life, and I had given myself fully to those things to the point where the crazy people around me were like, you're going to die if you keep it up. Um, and I didn't listen. <laughs> um, even my brother, who was in our band, was like, bro, like, you got to bring it down. Like, but I couldn't. I was already too far gone at that point. And Fast forward to all that stuff, it all culminated one night in a studio, and I could listen to them recording, and I was out in a hot tub, 
and they're in their recording, and they're sort of recording, and this was a rare moment of being alone for me, because I always had my dudes and my band and my posse, my guys, and I'm just out there by myself, and something began to happen to me. I begin to, now I understand, have the presence of God rest on me and begin to bring revelation to me. And I looked out and this crazy lunatic who was doing all sorts of drugs and everything else is looking out and knowing that there was a creator. And it wasn't an intellectual knowing, it was a knowing. I knew it. I was like, oh my, there's a creator. And these things were hitting me, and I'm like, why am I thinking this crazy stuff, you know? And it kept hitting me, and I'm like, I got to get around my band. I got to get around people because this is too strange. And I end up getting back out of the hot tub, going back into the studio, and nobody's there. It was sort of weird, and I was like, what's going on? Now I know they were upstairs watching the Super Bowl. But I was like, where are they all at? So I go to the bathroom. I begin to change. And when I do, just like I knew there was a creation, I look in the mirror. And without a shadow of a doubt, I knew I was a creature. I knew that I had been created. And I had this deep understanding that I thought I was my own. <laughs> and I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I was not in that moment. And right when that hit my heart, my eyes darkened and blood began to drip from my nose heavily. And when it did, my heart gave and I did not feel myself hit the floor. I was out. And I entered a darkness to you that I cannot describe. I still, it was a dense darkness. It was a presence of darkness. And all I had there was my anxieties and my fears and also my pride. When that hit, I was like, well, live fast, die fast. If I'm dying, then you're going to die a rock and roll martyr. All the good ones die young, you know? That was the type of thinking even in that moment. But thank God for praying parents. Amen. Amen. Because something went deeper in that moment. And as that was all happening, a cry came out of me for Jesus. I didn't say God. I didn't say anything else but that name. The word of God says, those who call to him shall be saved. When I called out to that name, I woke up on a studio bathroom floor, and the presence of God was pulsating over me, like breathing, like I was in an incubator. And for the first time in my life, I knew I was loved. I knew I was pure. I was pure and I was clean. And I knew if I died in that moment, I was going to heaven. I knew it. And that changed everything. <laughs> it changed everything for me. And that has been a passion for me. When I woke up and got off that floor, there's a billion stories I could tell. But one thing I will say is that I had a hunger for the presence of God and I just wanted to find 
that. What happened to me on that bathroom floor is what I wanted to be around. And so when we talk about presence, it changes you. You can't go into the presence of God and leave the same way. You know, we say that, and it becomes like language, and then you're like, oh, well, maybe I believe that, or maybe we'll just get, no, no, it's the truth. It changes you. It changes you from the inside out. And when the Spirit of God came on me on that studio bathroom floor, I was spoken tongues. And I didn't believe in all that stuff. You know, I was sort of like, oh, that stuff's crazy. Well, I'm sitting there praying in tongues, and I'm like, maybe it's not so crazy, you know? <laughs> um, and I knew that Jesus was real. And that was the thing that I would say over and over again to my parents. And Jesus is real. He's real. And he made me real. And one of the evidences I want to jump into our word today is Acts chapter 4. So we know in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit of God fell and there was the tongues of fire and it was very wild and extravagant. But in 4, we see that the Spirit of God began to fall again. And that's just good news in and of itself, that we can be filled again. <laughs> we can do it again. You can go back. It's not a one-time event. Yes, we have the Spirit of God, and He never leaves us nor forsakes us, but the filling of God and the refreshing of His presence comes over and over and over, and it's a renewing process. So when you look in Acts 4, you see that the Spirit of God, they cried out again, and it says the Spirit filled them again. And one of the evidence of that feeling wasn't tongues this time. It was boldness. Say boldness. And this is what I want to talk about today. This text in Acts 4 says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized they had been with Jesus. Yeah. I love this text. And you see this word, if you just read through uh, Acts 4, you'll see this word boldness over and over again. And this is what happened when they cried out to God. And it says, and they were filled with this boldness, this wide open place, this thing that caused even religious leaders to recognize they're not like us, but they have something that we don't, you know? Because these are the religious leaders who are like, they marveled. They're sitting there going like, well, they're not trained like us. They're not professionals like us, but they've been with him. This word boldness, if you track with me for just a minute, I'm going to do a little bit of a, a word study because it's not exactly what we think. We would imagine that the word boldness is simple and it's like it's courage. It's, you know, it's that strength. It's, it's bold. But the biblical word for boldness has a lot more uh, fullness to that and something that I believe will be important to our message today. This Greek word is a Greek word called parousia. And the word parousia is not exactly just courage. It's actually speaking of being unveiled. It's speaking of being open. It's speaking of being honest. Earlier in uh, the book of John, we see that that Greek word is used with Jesus, and it says that he was going to see Lazarus, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, hey, he's asleep. We're going to go wake him up, and they're like, oh, well, then we can take our time, and then Jesus said, 
he parasiaed, and he says, he's dead. <laughs> We're going to go raise him to God's glory. So he spoke plainly. He used, got all the metaphor out of the picture. He took all of the shading out, and he got completely honest and said, no, I'm taking all of the, the figurative language out, and I'm just going to tell you bluntly. One uh, theologian wrote this, uh, Adam Clark. It says, Parousia originally referred to a manner of speaking or being that neither concealed nor omitted anything and thus conveyed the meaning of frankness, plainness, or openness. And don't be alarmed, Adam Clark was not a Calvinist. <laughs> I know some of the old guys, you know, it's like he's probably, you know, he was a Methodist. <laughs> Amen! <laughs> the roots of revival. <laughs> <laughs> so it's speaking more to the place of, if I could say it this way, a courageous authenticity, a courageous honesty. And even simpler, it's being real. And there's something about that because in a culture of being seen, heard, and known, you can still go unknown. I figured this out because, you know, walking with the Lord, when it first starts, you know, I was having encounter after encounter, the heavens were opened, you know, but then life hits and we all know we end up walking through some stuff that we didn't expect and some stuff doesn't go the way we planned. Maybe there's some disappointment. Well, I had a season like that some years back and I can remember having a come to Jesus meeting when I was about to go into work and I couldn't go into work. I was too angry. I was too frustrated. And instead of going into work, I'm sitting there beginning to have a conversation with God. And I was allowing, I started getting a little bit more elevated, <laughs> a little bit further. Like if anybody was seeing me next to me, they're like, oh God, call the police. This guy's losing it, you know. But I was like starting to let it open. And I was almost like embarrassed because I'm sitting there frustrated. And honestly, it's coming out honestly. It's coming out in anger. It's coming out in frustration. And I'm going, why? It feels like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and you're not showing up. What is going on? And it just came out to the point to where I literally, I felt embarrassed by myself. <laughs> okay? So this is a, this is a lot. And to make matters worse, I had a scripture hit me. And it was a scripture in Matthew 7.23. And it's where Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. That's a scary scripture, right? I was like, oh my gosh. Maybe I wasn't born again, you know? I'm like, you know, I'll like take the worst implication. But I, then I felt the presence of God come tenderly to me. And he said, no, listen to the text. Let the text speak. I never knew you. He's not saying, depart from me, you never knew me. You know, the creator of the universe wasn't saying, you never knew me, so get away from me. This is, this is interesting because this is one who's omnipotent. He's all-knowing, but yet we have to allow him to know us. He said, 
I never knew you. And you want to know what the Spirit of God said to me? I can never say that to you now. I felt embarrassed. I felt uncovered. I felt revealed. And God says, now you're known. And it wasn't the pretty stuff. It was the hard stuff. Parousia. The scripture says again in Hebrews, come boldly before the throne of grace in your time of need. And God will have mercy for you. That boldness is not courage, it's wide open. It is courageous authenticity. It is real with all of you, with the hurt, with the pain, with the parts that are frustrated. And God is not ashamed of that, and God can handle it. He's a big God. Amen? Amen. He's big. He's strong. He can handle you being real. And honestly... A real God deserves to be represented by a real people, and I don't think can be truly represented. What's amazing about the text that I opened with was that was what they carried, and in carrying that, that was the thing that said, they've been with him. They have been with Jesus. The word intimacy, you know, I remember hearing T.D. Jakes, who's the man. Whew. Makes you want to preach. T.D. Jakes, he would say about intimacy, he says it's into me see. You know? And that place of being open and vulnerable. And when that happens, there's something that can take place, but we have to participate with that. And being real is an interesting thing, you know? It's a difficult thing. And we can be hidden, and uh, even in church cultures, be hidden. But I wanted to illustrate, because there was one time I was speaking for a student event, and I wanted to do like this uh, like illustration, but sort of a fun game. I wanted some props, and I was going to do with these high school kids, like have them uh, have some apples, and they weren't going to tell the difference between what was real and what was not, and whichever one they had to pick up, they had to bite, you know? So I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be fun, you know? Well, I went to Hobby Lobby, which is awesome, and I found these plastic apples that were perfect, and I'm like, this is going to be so easy, you know? And I get these apples, and it's all good. But then what the problem was, when I went to get the real apples, I couldn't find one that looked like the other ones because every real apple had a blemish. Every real apple had a scratch. Every real apple had some imperfection. And these Hobby Lobby apples, these plastic apples, were perfect and shiny and wonderful. But it would have been very easy for even these students to discern the difference. All they would have to look, and the real one had been through something. <laughs> the fake ones were perfect and shiny. And so many times we feel like we have to clean ourselves up and we have to be perfect and shiny. And this is not what the early church was. Many people have a movement, and they're like, we're going to move back to the early church. We're going to do that, and it's going to be perfect. I'm like, have you read Corinthians? <laughs> Drunk at communion? All the, I'm like, whoa, these people were lit. They were. 
you know? So we get a hunger for like coming back and we, we sanitize it. But the Bible doesn't do that. It's like this real raw experience. So no plastic apples, right? Being in the place where we can bring ourselves before God with authenticity and honesty, it takes the spirit of God. And then it allows us to relate in that way where we don't feel like we have to get all cleaned up. Question, do you get clean before you take a shower? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be strange. If you do, then talk to Pastor Chris. <laughs> He's got a great counseling ministry. He will walk you through it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, we don't come that way. And people think that once you have the encounter, then all of a sudden, well, then you have to do it that way. Galatians says the way that you were born is the way that you live. He's like, you've been bewitched. The way you started doing something different than the way you were saved. He's like, no, the same way you came in is the same way that you live. It's the same. You stayed the same. You do not all of a sudden trade it in because now you became a professional. Now you became trained. Now you became clean. Now you're a plastic apple. <laughs> yes. So it's the place where you allow yourself to be washed by him regularly, the washing of the water of the word, coming to him vulnerably, coming to him honestly. This is what happened with Peter, because Peter came and he's like, you know, Jesus is washing feet, and Peter's like, no, no, you're the master, I'm not the master, so you can't wash my feet. And Jesus looked at him and said, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. If I don't wash you, you don't belong to me. He delights in it. He delights in us coming from where we are, not where we think we should be. So there's got to be a place where we begin to move into this. And I want to speak for just a second about, you know, real people, real church. There's that pattern where it can be so fake. It can be so cliches. It can be, you know, well, bless God. Hot, blessed and highly favored, <laughs> hallelujah, which is all good. You know, I came out of faith culture, which I love faith, and faith is real, but not at the expense of authenticity. They work together. They work in tandem. You can have faith and be in struggle. You can have faith and, and have wounds. How did Jesus show doubting Thomas that he was real? Did he say, I was raised from the dead? No, he said, put your hands in my wounds. There's got to be a move to where we allow that with ourselves before God, and then we allow that and protect that in our relationships with others. That there's a place for authentic vulnerability, a place for uh, this parousia, where we allow weakness to be present and not to be shamed and not to be covered because the biggest thing that we do in the most compulsive muscle handed down by Adam is hiding that's what we see in the beginning God moved and he was naked and unashamed not that that would be the title of the message or give any weird ideas <laughs> to people 
don't do that. <laughs> Have a little shame. <laughs> no. <laughs> We're not live streaming, right? So we, that's okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> But they were wide open. The Spirit of God was so present. And then they made a mistake. And then they hid from him. But before they did that, they created a fig leaf. What is that fig leaf? It's something to disguise that nakedness. It's something to hide it. That is the first movement of religion in the Bible. Man's attempts to cover their own failures. It's a covering. What was Jesus the most mad about? He was mad about religious leaders. And you want to know what he called them? Hypocrites. You want to know what a hypocrite was? It was a play actor. That Greek word is speaking to the actors of their day, people who would put on a mask. He's like, you're a hypocrite. You're play acting. You're wearing a mask. What did he say? They're disguised. They're wolves disguised. When he was mad at the people, he was mad at their covering. They were just putting on a fig leaf. There were more people doing what it was from the beginning. It was man's attempts to cover their own failings, not by the grace of God, but by their own working. What did he do? The first movement of the gospel. He went and sacrificed an animal and made clothes for them. That's the first picture of what he would do prophetically. He's like, you don't get to do that. That is not man's work. That is my work. I'm going to cover you. And that's what he does. But the next thing that Adam does is that he hides. And it's so simple for us to do that. I mean, it's, it's such a pattern that we can find, that we can get back into hiding, get back into, you know, feeling things out, which... I understand, and the people who I've met here, you guys are beautiful people, and you've walked through stuff. Each one of you have a story and a history, and many of you travel to come here. You know, you drive a ways because it's such a special place, and this scene heard and known is a place where I believe most of you are already walking, but there's a call to go deeper in this. In the earlier days, I want to share an experience because when I first got born again, I got opened up to this encounter. And I ended up for the first year of my walk with the Lord having encounter after encounter after encounter. And thank God I developed a relationship with the word because when those encounters cease, you can just get it right out of the word. Amen? <laughs> Amen. That's a good one. <laughs> Put that in your back pocket. <laughs> but now I'm going to go back to the encounter, which was amazing. Um, I was reading Genesis, and while I'm reading it, one moment, I have the presence of God come over me so strong, and rather than just reading the story I was just talking about with Adam and Eve, I begin to see it, and I was overwhelmed with affection for them. I was watching it from this place of seeing them and loving them. So I saw this place of them uh, created and then them, God coming. And it was almost like God was letting me feel his heart. 
for Adam and Eve. He would come into the midst of the garden. It says he would walk with them in the cool of the day. The expectation he had, the joy he had, that he, he created them, he loved them, he walked with them, he trained them, he was teaching them. And then I watched it go into the narrative we understand, the serpent come into the garden, and it began to speak with Eve. Then Eve began to speak with Adam after eating the apple. And I'm watching this, and here's what's amazing. The affection didn't change. Like an overwhelming affection. Like I was like feeling it. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit's given that we might know the depth of the Father's heart. So this is accessible in the New Testament. That this is something that Holy Spirit can give us. He can give us the Father's heart. And so I'm watching this, and I'm like amazed at the affection that I feel. And then I'm sort of... Uh, expecting to feel something different when they're doing that. But I didn't. Not a change at all. So then I see this. Then I see them going and making fig leaves, and I'm watching it. The affection did not change. But then I begin to come close. And when I do, they hide. And my heart broke. I begin to weep and weep and weep. I just cried, and I cried, and I didn't understand what was happening, but my heart was, felt like it was broken pieces right there. To go from such a place of deep affection to such a place of pain, I was like, what is happening? And the Spirit began to speak to me and say, all that time I created them, I loved them, I fathered them, I walked with them, and they make a mistake, and they hide from me as if I'm a monster as if I'm the enemy. And he said, never do that. Now, I needed that because I was a sinner. <laughs> I was a chief among sinners. <laughs> I had a doctorate in sinning. <laughs> so I needed the Lord to break that in me because I would have kept hiding. And the Lord was like, never. Because you can't clean up, you don't clean up to go to the shower. You don't do that. You go to the shower. You get under grace. You go to mercy. You come boldly, honestly, openly to the throne of grace in your time of need. Because the truth is, in your greatest hour of need is when you are most tempted to hide. And then we create a fig leaf and we call it something spiritual. Just being real. <laughs> Parousia. <laughs> we have to be open, honest, vulnerable, especially in our darkest hour. Never hide from him. Even if you ruined mankind. <laughs> Adam. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a text Colossians 1 21 and it says once you were alienated from God and were in your minds because you are because of your are enemies in your minds because of evil behavior the distance between you and God is not in heaven it's in your head when you make a mistake, you're condemning yourself. The enemy's condemning you. God is not condemning you. Romans goes through the whole 
like vast expanse of the gospel. And you literally hear Romans with like the Romans road to salvation and all Paul's doctrinal thesis of the beauty of everything that is what we have as Christians. And he goes through one through eight where he goes through sin and redemption and the new creation and all that God has given us and the inheritance. And then he goes to Romans 8. And Romans 8, they say it's the Mount Everest of the New Testament. And Romans 8 says, therefore, Bible teachers tell you that if it says therefore, you have to look what it's there for. All the things that were before. He's literally a transition statement that ties all the other one to this one moment. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Zero. The gospel's liberated us from it. That condemnation is what causes us to hide. It's what causes us to shrink back in fear. But the Spirit of God fills us to be courageously authentic, courageously real, not ashamed of our weakness, our frailties, and not hiding anymore. And I'm telling you, the church may have a bunch of language at different points, not this church, but the Big C Church which I've been a part of in different ways, and they create ways of hiding, ways of, of language. And you want to know what's funny? The world can sniff it out. They don't like it. They're like, ooh, what is that? And we're like, oh, they just don't get the gospel, you know? And then they do their holy huddle and get in their groups, and then they're, you know, they go and worship before the, the altar of Calvin and all the other stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm poking. <laughs> no live stream. It's okay. No live stream. <laughs> but they have all this language and all these parts. And what's funny is then when the world is like, ooh, they're like, oh, well, they're supposed to be like, ooh. And I'm like, okay, let's go back to these religious leaders who were in awe. They, were, they marveled. And they were like, okay, maybe I don't like them and maybe I want them to go to jail, but I know they have something that I don't. What was it? They were bold. It was parousia. They were authentic. They were real. They didn't try to act like they were trained. They didn't try to act like they were educated. They were who they were, and that is what evidenced the life of God in them. He liberated you to be you. And in being you, you will be the most glorifying to God rather than putting on all the rest. Amen. I know, I feel it. Okay. I was feeling it. <laughs> so I want to start to wrap it up a little bit if Ryder is in the room. Um, and this place is... Something the Lord was giving me for today, it was really almost came in a prophetic way, more than like a teaching way. It was a bit more like a download way. He was sort of bringing it through. And most of the time when he does that, I feel like it's supposed to be delivered in a way that it's actually going to land on somebody that they'll be able to take it to themselves and be able to let that word liberate them and bring freedom to them and bring life to them. The word to come out of hiding, 
to, to be okay and know that one of the evidences of God's spirit filling you is not that he feels like he has to sanitize you, but that he cleans you and then he liberates you to shine him through the uniqueness of your life, the beauty of the personality he gave you. And I literally, when I first got born again, this was very difficult for me because I thought everything and every part of me of who I was was evil. So I said, I have to deal with all that and I hate it all and now I have to be something new. And I was and God had made that new creation, but I was almost like moving too harshly in some areas towards myself, you know? And God wasn't doing that. I have experienced the kindness and goodness of God. He has been kind to me in my darkest moments. And that is what changed me. And I thought when he got me up off that bathroom floor that I was just going to be a superhero for Jesus. <laughs> and I'm not. <laughs> and that's good news to me. <laughs> it's okay to struggle. It's okay to be in pain. It's okay to have disappointment and loss because God works in the midst of those things, not apart from them. It's not like that part is just the devil attacking you. It's like, no, God is leading and moving. Paul says, hey, I'm an apostle, you know, and he didn't say, hey, by the way, I raised the dead and I wrote almost the whole New Testament and this and that. He's like, no, I was shipwrecked. I was beaten. I had gone through all the, he began to list all the things he had gone through to, to give the language of being valid. This text was moving in my heart for this moment. And it's 2 Corinthians 4, 7. And it says, we now have the light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. Will you put up that piece of artwork? This is a... Uh, Japanese artwork, and this is a part that I had a, a prophetic unction, and I want to move into that for a moment. This is called a kintsugi, you know, and this is a artwork that is made in Japan, and I took this off the internet so you know it's true. Um, It said of this artwork, it treats breakage and repair as a part of the history of an object rather than something to disguise. So it doesn't hide the fact that this pottery was broken. And this pottery that was broken was once val valuable and it felt like it lost its value because of what happened. But what's amazing is these pieces of artwork become significantly more valuable after they've gone through this process that does not disguise. But it accentuates those places of brokenness and makes it beautiful. See, God's word says his strength is made perfect and weakness and us like clay jars that have gone through the storms of life and are still here. Amen? 
can radiate God's goodness. So I'd like us to stand to our feet for a second. And if you feel that this word was hitting you, I'd like to give you a moment. Let's just focus our attention on the Lord. And if this was for you, no response, no showing, just begin to focus your heart on God. If you felt that this was hitting places in you and you were, well, that's where I am. This is, this is something for me. If that was the cry of your heart at any point, then this word is for you. And the Lord gave me a word that I'm going to read verbatim. And I want to tell you that this is a prophetic word for you. It's called an invitation for exchange. Give me your ashes, your despair and your mourning. Give me your sadness, loss and pain. And in exchange, I will give you beauty. In exchange, I will give you joy. And I will cover you with a garment of praise. But you must be real and honest. You must be courageously authentic. For I am not scared of your darkness. For even darkness is light to me. There is treasure in hidden places. Let us discover it together. Then the exchange will take place. My beauty for your ashes. My joy for your mourning. And a new heavenly garment for your despair. And know that the gold of my spirit will fill the cracks of your life not hiding and not sanitizing, but filling and revealing my glory through your true and real story. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You are becoming my masterpiece, and I long to put you on display, not hidden but shining. So come out of darkness, come out of hiding and receive this exchange. Where there has been shame, I will give you a double portion of honor. Every bruise, blemish, and crack has redemptive purpose and will radiate redemptive glory. So be bold, be courageously authentic, for I am the Lord, your Redeemer, and I will redeem all things.